media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. So this summer we've been going through, we're going to be going through some different psalms um, and all through summer. So there'll be different ones. Bobby started last week. I got the pleasure of going this week. Um, and, and if you don't like this one, blame it on Miss Sherry. Um, I was praying about it, and there was a couple that I was looking at, and she said, uh, what about this? And then, so I prayed some more, and this is where we're at. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Psalms 12. If you have your Bibles, open up to Psalm 12. You can look in the Bible, or you can read it on the screen, but we're going to read it um, in its entirety, and then we're going to go back and break it down. So if you're ready... Um, and this is out of the New Living Translation. I'm not the brightest bulb in the box. Um, so if, I, if you don't use different translations while you're studying, I would encourage you to, um, because they all say something different, and that word might speak to you a little bit differently. Um, and so this is out of the New Living uh, this morning. So in verse 1, Psalm 12, Help, O Lord, for the godly are fast disappearing. The faithful have vanished from the earth. Neighbors lie to each other, speaking with flattering lips and deceitful hearts. May the Lord cut off their flattering lips and silence their boastful tongues. They say we will lie to our heart's content. Our lips are our own. Who can stop us? The Lord replies, I have seen violence done to the helpless, and I have heard the groans of the poor. Now I will rise up to rescue them, and they have longed for me to do. The Lord's promises are pure. Like silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times over. Therefore, Lord, we know you will protect the oppressed, preserving them forever from this lying generation, even though the wicked strut about and evil is praised throughout the land. Let's pray. I know, Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, once again, thank you for your word that's been purified. Lord, it's the truth. It's there's nothing else. It never changes. It's always has been, always is and always will be. And we're thankful for that. Lord, let our lives live like that. Lord, help us understand what flattering lips are. Lord, help us what a double see what a double heart is. Lord, let us understand what the least of these are. Lord, let us guard just as you do, Lord. Let us guard the Word. Let us guard the Bible. Let us have backbones to stand up and stand strong on the rock. Lord, there's always going to be evil. But Lord, let us fight that evil. Lord, let us be soldiers for the Gospel. Lord, help us, guide us, direct us. We love you. We praise you. All God's people said? Amen. Amen. So, Psalms 9-14 through are laments. And I always want to say that wrong word wrong. But a lament is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow to mourn, to loss, or regret. Right? We lament something. It hurts us. Psalm 12 starts with the title, depending on what translation you're using, for the choir master, the choir director, a psalm of David, accompanied by an eight-stringed instrument or a sheminth. Right? And so... Once again, it's giving us the title. It's telling us what is happening in this psalm. And, and think about this. Have you ever heard the phrase or saying something like, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are? 
Right? So think about that. Show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. Or how you speak says a lot about who you are. Right? So as, as graduation happened for many and as summertime and as kids are doing what they do and we're doing different things, what do our actions say about us? Um, so when we go back to verse 1, Help, O Lord, for the godly are fast disappearing. The faithful have vanished from the earth. I love where it starts, right? Help, O Lord. Right? How many times have we said that? Help, O Lord. Save, O Lord. Right? We need that. And once again, not sure the situation David is in here um, when this was written. Some say this was written in 1015 B.C. Over 3,000 years ago. And guess what? Nothing has changed. What we look at in this scripture, nothing has changed 3,000 years later. It's pretty crazy when we look at it. And it it could have been possibly when Paul or when David was in Saul's court um, and, and, and when he was trying to do the right things and there was a lot of gossiping and backbiting and all kind of stuff. Um, have the godly been exiled or have they adapted to the lifestyles and customs of the community, right? Because it says the godly is fast disappearing. The faithful have banished from the earth. The disappearance of godly men and their replacements. When we look at, it's not on the screen, so Micah 7.2, it talks about some of the same situations in Micah 7, Micah 7.2. It says, the godly person who is faithful and loyal to God has perished from the earth and there is no upright person, no one with good character or moral integrity among men. They all lie in wait to shed blood. Each hunts the other with a net. Think about that. Right? There's none left. They hunt each other. It, it makes me think of the corporate world, right? Whose back can I step on to get to that next rung? Right? How can I get one step higher? Or if you're driving in Atlanta traffic, right? How can I zoom by you to get in front of you to stop at the same light? I don't know. Uh, or in Romans 11, 3 through 5. We're not going to look at that one. I didn't write that one down. We'll come back to it. Um, Romans 11, 3 through 5, is talking to the same thing. This is where Elijah is complaining to God about him being the only one left. And the Lord is telling him, hey, there's a remnant of 7,000 out there. But sometimes I know we feel like this. So Romans 11, 3 through 5, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And do you remember God's reply? He said, no, I have 7,000 others who have never bowed down. Right? And so I'm sure we think the same thing sometimes as we're doing life out there. Right? Is, are, am I the only one left? Is there anyone else that's following what Scripture says? Is there anyone else helping out? Um, when we go to verse 2, neighbors lie to, neighbors lie to each other, speaking with flattering lips and deceitful hearts. Um, how powerful is language, speech, the tongue? It has the power to lift up, to knock down, build up, destroy, encourage, discourage, right? Our words, our text, our social media has impact. Proverbs 18.21 says this, the tongue can bring life or death. 
Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. That's Proverbs 18.21. James 3.6 And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. That's James 3.6. Because once again, here at this time, David is trying to figure, I mean, David's trying to figure out what is going on. A lying tongue lies. So three things that he talks about here. A lying tongue lies or sin. But we as humans, we need to really think about this. Whether it's a small lie or a big lie. A half truth or you left some truth out. It's all the same. It's all the same. The little white lie. It's all a lie. It's all sin. The flattering tongue he talks about. Praising a person for things that aren't true. Now granted, everyone likes praise if it's warranted. Everybody likes praise if it's warranted. Flattery always has an ulterior motive. Manipulation to get what you want out of a person or a situation. Really think about that. Whether it's in marriage, whether it's wherever. Business, right? Flattery always has an ulterior motive. Manipulation to get what you want out of a person or situation. And then in the last part in verse 2, he talks about a hypocritical heart or a double heart. Some say heart and heart. Depends on what translation you have. Um, and, and some examples are maybe a heart for Sunday and then a heart for the other six days. Right? Or, or especially with social media today, you can see, you know, I, I got, I'm out on the town on Saturday night, but I'm going to church on Sunday. Right? You got two hearts. Um, a quote from Thomas Adams, I like this. A man without a heart is a wonder, but a man with two hearts is a monster. Think about that. A man with two hearts is a monster. Because once again, you don't know where they're at. Um, in James 1.8, Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. James 1.8, their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. And that's what he was talking about in, in verse 2 with their lie to each other, speaking with flattery lips and their deceitful hearts. When we go to verse 3, David felt helpless against the flattering lips and his refuge was the Lord. Where is your refuge? Where is your refuge? Is it in work? Many's refuge is in alcohol, self-worth. So where is your refuge? David was much more comfortable with a sword in his hand and being able to physically take care of things than dealing with the gossip and talking. Right? David would have much rather just went to battle with them. And he couldn't. Um... Verse 4. They say we will lie to our heart's content. Our lips are our own. Who can stop us? And in some other translations, it says, Who is master over us? Who is Lord over us? Lie to our heart's content. There's no truth. There's no boundaries. When you look at the world today, do what your heart makes you happy. That's not going to work. Right? The flavor of the month, that's not going to work. 
We have to slow down. Christ followers know the answer to this. Jesus Christ is Lord. But my question to you, my challenge to you is, is He really Lord of your life? Or is it Sunday? Or is it Wednesday? Or is it a couple mornings when you have your quiet time? All the other times, and then we'll put him up on the shelf and we'll go do what we want to do and then we take him down, right? Jesus Christ, Christ followers know this answer. Jesus Christ is Lord. Who or what is Lord of your life? In 1 Corinthians 6, 12, 19, and 20, it says this, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by any of them. And then we go to 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you, whom have, ah, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Four says they will, they say we'll lie to our heart's content. Our lips are our own. No, right here it says, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. And guess what your lips are? Your body. We have to realize that. We have to take it to heart. Verse 5. The Lord replies, I have seen violence done to the helpless, and I have heard the groans of the poor. Now I will rise up to rescue them and have long for me to do. The Lord protects the poor, the needy, always has and always will. A great shelter and refuge. Reliable promises of God. David says, or he says, help Lord. And God says, I will. Right? God says, I will. Um, Psalms 9 Psalm 9, 18 through 20 says this, For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. And that's what he's saying here in 5. That's what he's saying. Protect the needy. Protect the poor. Verse 6. The Lord's promises are pure. Like silver refined in a furnace. Purified seven times over. Men, humans, lie and are false. God is faithful. Humans lie. God is faithful. He's faithful all the time. Even when you feel like He's not there, He's faithful. He's there. Men are hard to trust. God the Word isn't. Humans hard to trust. God isn't. Men speak in vanity and flattery. God speaks in pure words. All the time, all pure. Men speak in vanity and flattery. God speaks pure words. All true, all pure. God's words are designed for our good. God's words are designed for our good. We have to believe that. If we profess that He's Lord of our life, we have to believe that God's words are designed for our good. And if they're designed for our good, then some things we shouldn't do. 
Because His Word is telling us not to do it. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. We have to live differently. The Bible has been tested and tested and never been proven wrong. Remember that. If you're a science guru, great. The Bible and science go together. It's never been proven wrong, I promise you. Never. In my previous life, I was a gambler. I liked gambling. I liked it. Because there was a winner and a loser. And I would take this bet every day. The Bible's never been proven wrong. Never. It's not a gamble. It's a guarantee. And in the gambling world, there never was a guarantee. Never. Even Georgia winning the national championship. Jeez. And I heard, I heard, some people just keep watching it. Over and over and over. Maybe like seven times. I don't think the outcome changes. I don't think so. But when you're watching it the second time, it's a guarantee. Right? Just like the word, the Bible. It's a guarantee. The Bible's been tested. Verse 7. Verse 7. Therefore, Lord, therefore, Lord, we know that you will protect the oppressed, preserving them forever from this lying generation. Um, The Lord's promise to protect his people and his word. I I wrote down when, when we were singing that first song, nothing better than you. Do we believe that? There's nothing, nothing better than you. Do we live like that? Right? If your spouse makes the best, I don't know, lasagna, that's great. God's better than that. Miss Tracy just got back from Ireland. God's better than that. Right? I've never, I don't play lotto, but I imagine winning the lotto would be cool. But God's better than that. We gotta believe that. There's nothing better. Nothing better. Um, David's declaration of confidence in God's ability to preserve his own words and his own people. Um, Spurgeon had a quote. Says, brethren, we cannot endure this shifty theology. May God send us a race of men who have backbones. Men who believe something and would die for what they believe. This book deserves the sacrifice of our all for the maintenance of every line of it. Think about that. Are we ready to stand up? Are we ready to to live what the Bible says? Because once again, David wrote this 3,000 years ago, and we see it in our world today. Just get on social media. Just look at the news. What Chaos is out there. And it's scary. It is. But if you put your trust in Jesus, if He is Lord of your life, it's really not that scary. It's not. Because we know where we're going. And we have to live like that. Will you protect the words of the Bible and the least of these around you? Right? Will you Will I, 
Will we do it? Us with kids, us with grandkids. What are we going to do? We can't protect them forever. I promise you. I've tried. I've tried. Rory's going to college here in a couple months, and I'm nervous. She went for her first adult trip this week, and Life 360 stayed on Sherry's and iPhone all day and all night. And she went to Myrtle Beach for literally 24 hours. And we were petrified. And I believe, I'm, I'm biased, I believe we raised a great girl. Thank you. But we, I can't protect her. I can't. Andy's a lawyer. I want him to protect her, but he can't. He can get some resolution, but we can't. We have to stand firm on the Word of God. Because we're going right to verse 8. Even though the wicked strut about, and evil is praised throughout the land. Evil will always be around until the, until the day of Jesus' return. Even though the truth is out there and all, for all to see, men will still desire evil. It hurts my heart. Every day we turn on the TV right now. Every day you open up your phone. There's a shooting somewhere in our country. It is absolutely crazy. And it goes back to this. It goes back to verse 4. They say we will lie about our... We will lie to our heart, lips, ah, our heart's content. Our lips are our own. Who can stop us? That's what's wrong. There is a Lord out there. There is a master out there. It's Jesus Christ. And we all were going to have to pay the fiddler. Once again, I like gambling. I did. I'll take that bet too. We all are going to meet our maker. We all are going to meet our maker. As our country society continues to say everything is okay, be you, nothing's off limits. Verse 8 will continue to grow and grow and grow. Just go into the school system and see elementary school kids that are living just total chaos of lives. Elementary school. The problem is some of our older family here, they taught. And their kids taught. And then their kids taught. But guess what's happening now? That teaching is going away. There are so many homes in our community, in our country, where the Word of God is not even anywhere close. There is not one of these anywhere in their house. They're not teaching it. So the kids have no earthly idea. All they see is what's on TV and everything is okay. Everything is permissible. Everything, do what you want to do. Change who you are. It doesn't matter. No, I promise you, God didn't get it wrong. I promise you. There's no plan B. He's still on plan A. And that's what it's about. And and, in verse 8, did David leave this as a challenge to Christ's followers? Did David leave verse 8 
as a challenge to Christ's followers. How can we keep from vanishing, disappearing like verse 1? Help, O Lord, for the godly are fast disappearing, the faithful have vanished from the earth. Right? How can we do that? What can we do to stand on the rock, the truth of His words, defend the Bible as Spurgeon talked about? How can we do that? Are we teaching it in our homes? Do our kids know? In January, Bobby and I talked about an opportunity of a couple churches working together. Uh, my accountability partner, Brent Gilstrap, is a, a, a pastor at Ebenezer UMC right down the street. And um, they, had, they didn't have a youth program. They had a couple youth, no youth program, and, and he was getting nervous for his students. Um, and him and I met, and we said, hey, what about, let's, let's break the mold, and let's two churches of different denominations work together. Imagine that. Jeez. Uh, and uh, we went to Bobby, and Bobby says, yeah, you know, I, I know Brent. I know what he stands on. He preaches the word. And, and uh, so we started in January. We, we, we merged two youth groups together to, to benefit a community. And uh, through that, Brent went through um, a two-year discipleship class. Um, and so on Sunday nights, we meet here for, quote, quote, regular youth. And then on Wednesday nights, we were going to his church um, for intense discipleship. And it was adults and, and uh, high schoolers and, it was, and, and middle schoolers, youth. And it was just neat to see because at the intentional discipleship, there wasn't any games. There wasn't any, let's have fun. There was, hey, we're going to study the Bible. Hey, we're going to know why we do what we do. And we're going to memorize Scripture. And we're going to figure out what we do. And um, it's, been, it's been awesome to see. And, and, and Bobby's a huge supporter and believer in the power of discipleship. I believe he meets in groups and one-on-one with about 12 guys every week. Right? Because discipleship is important. Christianity, Christ follower, it's not a solo sport. Listen to me. Being a Christian, being a Christ follower, it's not a solo sport. Coming here on Sundays, I'm thankful y'all are here. But this isn't enough. This isn't. You don't eat just once a week. I promise you, you don't. We can't. This can't be it. And um, so the, the sheet you received, I know some of y'all didn't want it. It's not a test. It's not a test. So I passed out a sheet. And if you don't have some, we got, we got some up front, okay, outside. But um, this is called a, a here journal. And part of discipleship and, and part of growing is journaling. I know journaling is not for everybody. It's not for me. I struggle. My wife, on the other hand, she's great at it, right? She's leaving a legacy for her kids and her grandkids because she has book after book after book of what she's journaled and what her prayers are. And I'm jealous. Um, I've tried and, and, and I've let my, fool myself to say it doesn't work, um, but it works. Um, but today you got this, right? And, and so this is real simple, Okay. So it's got here, right? There's an H, an E, an A, R. So every time you read, so like we read 
Psalm, one, Psalm 12 today. The purpose of this is, is you read eight verses. There's had to be one verse in there that stuck out to you. Maybe more than one. But hopefully one stuck out to you in there. And so what you would do, the H, you're going to highlight it. You're going to write the verse. Because we've told all of our kids and our grandkids, I know you didn't like writing your spelling words five times each. I know you didn't. But the reason a teacher had you write it five times each, because muscle memory, the more you write it, the more you learn it. It etches in your brain. Right? I was one of those kids in school where I had to write, do not talk out loud 482 times. You know? And sometimes they give you college ruled paper and it takes forever. But so the H is highlight. You're going to find the verse that talks to you when you do your quiet time. You're going to write it down. The E is explained. This part is just you're going to write down in your words what it is saying. What the verse is saying to you, you're going to write it down. And then the A, apply. And now you're going to say, hey, how can this verse, how can these verses change and impact my life? How can they? Because once again, this is living, breathing. This is, this is, this is the road map. We all drive now, we put on our phone and there's an accident, it tells us to go this way. Most of us aren't going to stay and go, I don't know, this is the way to go. And sit there for four hours. Hey, take a little detour and you're going to be all right. This is the road map. It's living, it's breathing, it's alive. This is it. If you're not reading it, you're not getting it. So the A is apply it. And then the R, write down a prayer or an action as a result of what you've just learned. Be specific. Right? Just like when you pray for people. I know we're a praying congregation. I know you're praying for people. And they say, pray for world peace. That's great. We need it. Right? But I'm coming to pray for Miss Nevaeh. I want to know what's going on in Nevaeh's life. Right? Because that way I can be specific. And that's what R is. Our response. How can we be specific? Right? We also got to start looking at church and life a diff- little bit differently if we're going to replicate, duplicate, have Jesus multiplication of discipleship, right? And, 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 and I've been reading a book and it breaks it down into kind of four groups. And we're at congregation right here. This is the congregation. We come in, we fellowship, you hear a sermon, you leave. That's great. But if you don't implement what was taught or what's in this book... It's not helping you much. We like that you're here, but it's not helping much. So the congregation is to start. The next is small groups, right? you got to be a part. Once again, Christianity, Christ followers, it's not a solo sport. It's not. So you go to small groups, Bible study, life groups, connect groups, whatever name you want to put on it, it's all out there. Home groups. Right? A group that gets together to break bread and study the Word together. Study the Word together. Not just get together and talk about Georgia winning a national championship. Or how many fish you caught. Okay? Right? It's getting together, opening the Word, doing life together. The max number there are in the teens. Right? If you get over 19, 20, people aren't going to share. 
the group is too big. That's where you got to break off and make another group. Imagine that. Well, I can't, I, I can't recreate this. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You might not be able to, but God can. And that's what we're in the business of. The next, after you go from congregation to small groups, then you need a smaller in, intentional group. Five or less. So you can hold, be held accountable. You can grow together. You can challenge. And you can duplicate. we got to do this. And then the fourth, someone, someone to put it up on top, but the fourth is community outreach, right? We started in congregation. We're all good here. Then we break up into small groups. And then we break up into smaller intentional groups. And after we understand the intentionality, and then we go out to the community. Because guess what a church is here to do? Serve the community. And be difference makers and game changers. And so the fourth one is community outreach, serving, giving back to the community. What is your passion? Because Bobby, I, Andy, Brian, Radley, the elders here, we can't do it all. We can't. The 70 of y'all, y'all can. Because y'all are touching people I can't touch. You're touching people Bobby can't touch. Your influence is different. And then we start the process all over again. Congregation, small groups, intentional groups, community, congregation, small groups, intentional groups, community. Right? Because if you think about the 12, they walked with Jesus for three years. They saw everything he did. He had 12, but he had that inner circle, right? Once again, he preached to the masses. He had 12. He had the inner circle of four. And then they went to the community. Wow. That's not a new principle. It's out there. It's there for us. But are we, as Christ followers, ready to replicate it? Are we ready to duplicate it? Are we ready to stretch ourselves? Because Psalm 12 is a reality. The flattering lips are there. If you you work in the corporate world, you know it. If you work at Publix, you know it. Anywhere you work, it's there. Sports teams, it's there. You name it, it's there. But the Jesus principle of multiplication, 12 disciples into the world. From 12, it went worldwide. Think about that. All of us matter. All of us are messengers, but what message are you sending? Think about it. What message are you sending? So as, as Ricky and, and the team get ready to come up, so where is your refuge? Who are you doing life with? Are you ready to, to defend the truth, the Bible? Are you defending the least of these? Right? Because once again, when we look at Psalm 12... Help, O Lord. In verse 5, the Lord replies, I've seen the violence to the helpless and I've heard the groans of the poor. Now I will rise up and rescue them. Now I. The Lord's promises are pure. Therefore, Lord, we know you will protect the oppressed, preserving them forever from the lying generation. And even though the wicked struck about, and evil is praised throughout the land. God is there. God's the refuge. He's ready to hold you. 
He's ready to hold you. The question, are, the question is, do you want to be held? Do you want to be in, in, in the palm of the one true king? The father that's never changed. As an earthly father, I fail a lot. As a heavenly father, he's never failed. He's never run. He's never changed direction. He's always been on the straight. In the back, the kids, uh, Rory's teaching one of the stories that's just so crazy where the lady bled for 12 years. She had so much faith, she just wanted to touch the garment. Do you have that much faith? What is your faith in? Cornerstone, we have to activate. We have to be ready. Congregation is great. I love fellowship. But are you ready for small groups? Are you ready for intentional groups, discipleship? And are you ready to get out there and serve? I love you, Father, Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's, Lord, it's pure. We don't need to add anything to it. Take it away. It's there. 3,000 years and the same things are happening. Lord, I pray for Highway 11 right now as cars are going by. Lord, I pray they would feel something different when they drive past this building. Not because it's a building, but because there's believers inside that believe in miracles. Lord, you're still in the business of miracles. Lord, you're still in the business of changing lives. And Lord, I pray that somebody would say yes. Lord, first to Jesus, two to small groups, three to intentional accountability, discipleship groups, and four to maybe be a missionary or go and serve somebody some food at a local food giveaway. Lord, use us in a mighty way. Lord, and once again, if anybody doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that today would be the day, Lord, that you would change a life because we all will meet you one day. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.